0: Hello, we are the Edu Futurists. I'm Dan Fitzpatrick. I'm Dan Mitka. and I'm Stephen Hope. The podcast by educators for educators, the Edu Futurist Podcast.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome! Thanks for joining this live recording. This episode is in partnership with our friends at Text Help. Yes, Ben, thanks for pointing it out. Don't forget, please ask your questions and make your comments in the YouTube live chat or replying on Twitter. If you're listening or watching after the live recording, you can always leave us a comment on Twitter, YouTube, or leave a review on your podcast app.
2: Yeah, check out some of the latest episodes, including Abdul Chohan, Joe Fletcher-Saxon, Professor Stephen Heppel. Uh, have a look over on the YouTube channel and subscribe while you're there to get an alert for whenever we're live.
0: So it says on these notes, we've got about 140 podcast episodes in the back catalogue. I think it's now tipped over the 150 mark. Um, Loads of them at edufuturist.com. Please subscribe with your podcast app if you're listening to this and you're not watching this live. Um, A reminder about our free series, Transform Online Learning at edufuturist.com forward slash transform. The podcast by educators for educators, the EduFuturist podcast.
2: Uh, I just realized I played the jingle at the wrong time there. Uh,
1: yeah, thanks I'm was, I was thinking I've completely got this wrong, but I'm just going to go with it anyway. We, we are get, joined by...
2: Excuse me. We're going to do it twice. More fun. Oh, We've got to do it again? Yeah, we'll do it again. We'll that do it as fine. many times as it takes.
1: That's fine. Yep, awesome. Yep, keep going because I'm doing all the... Yeah, try to trip me up because I did so well with the first one. Okay, so we're joined by Ailey. Ailey is currently uh, Education Support Officer for Digital Learning in the southeast of Scotland, uh, working across five local authorities. Uh, she uses both G Suite for Education and Office 365 tools. Wow, almost tripped myself up with that one. Within her work, Ellie's is a Google certified trainer and has supported hundreds of practitioners across the UK on her journey with Google for Education. Ellie's is also a certified innovator, whoop, whoop, and having attended Sweden 2019 uh, Innovator Academy in November, the best one, with the only, only edgy futurist. Okay, that's done it right, uh, Me. Uh, Early has uh, and me both supported Google for Education and the Bet stand focusing on accessibility. Um, and the Real Dream Team, I believe. That's what you say. Yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah, that's what I just said. <laughs> it's
3: true.
2: Ailey, is it, is it though? Is it? it
3: is. is it true? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we're about to find out. <laughs>
2: Ailey started off career as a primary teacher in Aberdeen in two thousand thirteen. Her school piloted Chromebooks, which sparked Ellie's interest in digital technologies and in particular g in particular for education. Uh, through trial and error, she's discovered ways in which technologies could be used to support learners at different stages. And as a teacher, she attended training on text helps, Read&Write toolbar, Fluency Tutor, and EquatIO. This opened her eyes to the world of assistive technologies and the importance of utilizing technology appropriately to meet all learners' needs.
0: So Ailey progressed to her current role in 2018, uh, further developing her knowledge of digital technologies across both primary and secondary settings. She supported schools across Aberdeen to utilise technologies before making a move to Edinburgh uh, with her iron brew. I think we'll talk about that today uh, in 2019 to take up that current role. Uh, You can follow her on Twitter at Miss E. Mackay. The podcast by educators for educators. The EduFuturist podcast.
1: Okay, so let's get started, early. How are we doing?
3: We're good. We're not yeah. as tired as I thought it'd be at this time, so we're all good.
1: <laughs> is it is it the new version of Iron Brew where it's uh, got girders and uh, some kind of red bill in it?
3: No, 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 it's no. Also, Iron Brew extra. That's all you need. <laughs>
1: that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. So we we started off quite recently during COVID, and I think we'll continue until uh, Boris tells us otherwise. We're looking at how are you coping during lockdown? What did it look like and how things have changed, really?
3: Yeah, so, I mean, my life has changed in the sense that I am now delivering webinars every single day to teachers and to authorities and having daily tea parties at 11 o'clock, <laughs> So, which is quite nice. I must say it does help in the morning having something to look forward to. Um, but really it is, it's that model of getting that real training to teachers that have maybe not engaged in training or not felt the need to look at digital technologies as much in their classroom practice and trying to upskill them very quickly to support them with using digital text for remote learning, meeting their learners needs, and also just making sure that they're okay. So that's, that's my real thing at the moment is just supporting teachers. And that's across two of the authorities I work with and also being in contact with the other three as and when required so yeah busy and
1: and in terms of the authorities then if Mm -hmm. we're kind of obviously we work in schools and a lot of our listeners will be in schools are the authorities kind of like little departments in schools in terms of individual people are at different parts of the journey or do you know actually without naming them because i don't want to get you into trouble without saying actually some are further ahead in terms of their journey in terms of the authority?
3: I think some are set up in ways that they've got more ownership of their journey. So if they've got their own domains for the likes of G Suite or Office 365, they've got that control aspect there. Others are in Glow tenancy, so that's all got everything set up for them. So some use G Suite within Glow, some use um, Office 365. Glow is the national platform for Scotland for um, digital learning. It's kind of a hub of resources so it, ha- it everyone has access to the same things it provides the equity for schools in Scotland as well for what they have available and also is a platform where every teacher in Scotland can collaborate so it really provides these tools um that just broadens the range that's available so even if your authority is a g suite authority you still have access to the office tools as well so um yeah but the local authorities they are a local authority is um, for an area of Scotland, and they've got upwards of about fifty schools in each. Fifty get um, yeah, fifty schools in each of them, if not more than a hundred. Um, and they've all they all have their own um, strategies um, that I I support in way in any way I can um, for digital learning. So it, they are unique. Some have very similar interests. I'm, some are very different it's, it's challenging
2: <laughs> can we just go back to you know you mentioned glow there mm-hmm. um, i think that's that kind of platform i know wales have got their own platform as well it's a very yeah foreign thing i think in england uh i think we're, be, we're behind the times at the moment or when it comes to a national platform just for those teachers who are listening in england and, and indeed around the world who who don't have a national platform when it comes to this uh, what does that look like for the for a, for your average teacher in the classroom do they have to log on to a platform or all these um different lms available to them within a few clicks as is, is there training provided how, how does that look
3: so the training provided depends on the authority some will have the staffing available to provide that or some will rely on um, teachers in their schools to support it but yes it's a, a platform that you log into so it's hosted by rm so on rm unify and you log into it so every teacher can get a glow login so long as they're on the um, learner management system so on um CMS in scotland and then they will have a username generated so that will then provide them access to the suite of tools. They have a launch pad that they can customize and link to other websites that they find useful as well. So basically, it's kind of like a bookmark area where it will link out, but it will use that one login and provides that um, unique one, one-click login as well for uh, G Suite and Office 365
0: so um let, let's let's go to that and i feel free to tell me to show up you can't answer it if you can uh generally this is these are usually my kind of questions um you've got both big platforms and both big platforms are having a a huge impact in different ways in schools and colleges across the country. Steve's laughing now. So <clears throat> I'm not going to say which one's your favourite. Um, I won't ask you that question. <laughs> Steve thinks I should. Uh, no, I'm a- asking a question like, what does that look like in terms of support? Because obviously you will probably have a preference, but then how do you how do you do that management across all of it and support?
3: So I don't have to support both. Um, that's where I work with authorities because I will ha- hold my hands up and say my expertise is in G Suite. Um, p- that's no secret in the world. I mean, I'm the Gag Scotland leader. It's, it's very much, I'm a G Suite person, but that's because my classroom practice was focused on Chromebook and G Suite. I didn't have much experience using Office 365 until I moved into the job that I'm in right now. Um, and that's where I utilize the teachers who are the experts, MIE experts out there um, in the region to support me. With making the right decisions and actually being able to provide the support to the teachers that they that they need
0: so that that was a that was a, a lovely answer um I, do you have you are you interested in giving a like a daily briefing for the government
3: no <laughs> <laughs> no, no I'm I, I, politics <laughs> <laughs> no i
0: that i think i think that's um uh, that's that's great you basically you're using the the expertise of other people around you, but obviously your strength is in G Suite. Um, t- ties in, I suppose. The Glow model is, um, as as Dan was saying, it's we we've been been harping on a little bit that England is behind the rest of the UK. Uh, there's no d- no doubt about it in terms of a central digital platform. Um, and so, would you say the benefit of Glow? The major benefit is that it's a single place for everything, or is it the fact that? Um, by having Glow, does Scotland have some other benefits than just a single sign-on position?
3: I think it gives Scotland that unique thing where everyone's got access to a, a single place where they can utilise um, Office tools. Office is the one that's there by default, and you have to request for G Suite to be switched on. Um, but certainly it's it's there for everyone. Not every authority uses it. So there are a number of authorities who have their own tenancies, and they don't use the Glow one. So they'll sit without it so that they can have that admin control. Um, certainly, authorities I've worked in, do not have; um, they don't have G Suite within Glow, they're outside of it and G Suite within Glow is relatively new. So it's only within the last couple of years that's been made available. So some authorities have been using these tools for seven years plus. So they've been that step ahead of it. So they there was no need for them to go back into that national tenancy.
2: Do you think that because of the, the pandemic outbreak uh, a few months ago, that Scotland were in a better position for having that?
3: I mean, I can't comment on what's going on <laughs> everywhere else I've no expert what's going on in other just, areas. Just but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we've, we've got the tools available, whether they were being used prior to the pandemic is another question. Um, yeah. And it's maybe now people are more aware of what they had available all the time. And they just are learning how to use it a lot faster than they may have if we didn't have this pandemic.
2: And I think that's a realisation that more schools are having at the moment as well around the world. Um, so that these platforms were, were have been available for a while. Um, just they didn't know about them. And now they're quickly getting to know about them.
1: Yeah, And, 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 and you know what? I think obviously Glow. Uh, and people probably don't think, and maybe this is this, this is probably going to make me sound really bad, you know, don't think of Scotland in terms of innovation sometimes. You know? And a lot of people in the UK think, you know what, it's those people um, with the rolling hills and everything else and lots of scenery, they've got sparse land. But actually, I, I was doing some research around learnings that can happen from remote learning that's already taken place. And I've got I've got an article up here um, that I've kind of shared with a lot of people that around in 20, uh, 2011... That they'd already gone and looked at this, the remote learning in the Highlands, mm-hmm. that bringing together the hundred colleges and learning centres around, and how they did that like nine years ago. So I know Glow's new in terms of that journey, but actually Scotland has been in- innovating in terms of its education for a long time be- before that.
3: Yeah, and I know you spoke about this, I think with Rachel a few weeks ago when everything happened there. So there's eSchool in Scotland, which is hosted out in the um, Outer Hebrides and that is where um, there's the option for students to enroll into some courses where perhaps they're short of staff in their schools and they can enroll in a higher course um, or advanced higher courses or they can also get music tuition as well so pretty much every subject's available and they're utilizing teachers across Scotland to deliver that remotely Um, so that that's certainly a model that's happening not everywhere that's authorities opt in to do that but um yeah certainly there are things out there that are a good role model for how we can move forward
1: yeah and 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 I was lucky enough um last year god I I think it was last year you know it feels like we've had five years in April I don't know about everybody else but um last year I was lucky enough to do some work with Canousy High School and while I was up there doing some uh, some training and some work with their students and their staff um so I got to see the um that process in action that they were then delivering some of their hires for their, for that, for those students um, at a college um, that was not accessible to those students in the highlands um, without that access. And I was like straight away, I was blown away. I was like, this is, this is something that really we should be adopting more. And I know that I've, I've been involved with some conversations in terms of Sweden that are, are, are adopting that model based on not um, students not being able to travel. It was more the the, the, the recruitment of teachers to teach foreign, foreign languages. Uh, and I think we need to be learning that. But actually, there's not that cross-pollination um, in education. Everybody's working in silos in terms of uh, of, of the authorities. Um, so I think we've got a lot to learn from Scotland there.
3: I was certainly, I was at uh, forwards with Google for education, I think two years ago in Amsterdam. And I had this conversation. There was a group of Scottish educators there. And we spoke about revolutionising what education looks like and certainly utilising distance learning models so that you could have that we've got developing the young workforce up in Scotland and looking at how you can develop the young workforce without them having to come into school then have that work experience part looking at the open university model having them in the workplace and that was all part of design thinking that we did a couple of years ago and now I'm thinking I mean I was on um, a YouTube live last week where a teacher commented that his students in Sky are out helping with the lambing during the day, then they're accessing their learning now in the evening. So it's certainly interesting to see what could happen as a result of this.
0: I think um, I think it's, it's very true. I think the the whole, it, 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 the phrase that's used quite a lot now is this new normal, isn't it? It's this idea that we're actually going to rethink what normal looks like for education. And I think what, what has happened, I suppose, has started to happen over the, the number of years that Glow's existed and the development the fact that there's people like you that exist in your role Um, there's not many people in that kind of role in 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 england at all that's doing that's doing the digital learning support i think it's increasing some of the stuff around their tech demonstrators and all the things that are going with that i think i think it's starting to happen but it's taking a little bit of time I, i i wondered if we could get into a little bit you talked about the access to all the tools being really important. You talked about how uh, Glow allows that that place of access that everybody in Scotland can access it, whether they do or not. They can do, um, and I think that ties in nicely to uh, the t-shirts. Uh, thinking about the idea around accessibility and the and and, and I know you're really passionate about it. I know not just it's not just a, this is part of my job or this is something that um, I went to talk for google app when we're at bet it's something that you're passionate about so i, I wonder what it, just b- before we get into it for those people that might not think about what accessibility means what would you say accessibility means to you and uh, and and i suppose then we can see where that conversation goes
3: so for me accessibility isn't about identifying those specific children with dyslexia or those needs or visual impairments who require that technology it's about making sure that every learner knows what's available so that if there is a time where they require it. So it could be as simple as using automatic clicks on a Chromebook because they've broken a finger and they can't put pressure on on the uh, trackpad. So it's anything that can make their lives easier or as teachers using voice typing to speed up how you actually take notes. But I think accessibility isn't about that label. It's not about here Ailey go and get your uh, laptop, everyone else get your daughters, it's time for us to do our writing. It's about making it that everyone can use what is appropriate for them, regardless of whether they've been labelled with a need or not. I think there's too much focus on providing for those students who have that label, and those who have maybe not been put through the system, whether it's into parent choice of not having um, them diagnosed with a a specific need, still have that same support available to them that others do as well
1: And yeah and i, and I think that came through uh, i think uh, we were obviously we, we we had a few weeks planning um the accessibility stuff and and uh and to be fair we just said to you, i just said to you let's just show me some some stuff that i might know and uh, it took you about five hours to actually show me a lot um but we we went through that element and i could see actually all the different functionality that people think that accessibility and bringing learning to life for, for all um, is an expensive thing to do, um, but actually it's it's there's so much power now in terms of any devices. I know we're talking about um, Chromebooks, but actually even within um, like Surface Pro and everything else, there's functionality within those for free. Um, and, and I know that I must have watched you do about 1,000 um demos at bet uh, until it can but is, is there any key ones that you actually think about you know what within a chromebook or, or or any other device that you think straight away is a go-to
3: i would always say voice typing i think that's one that people don't realize is available on any of their devices whether it's their phone on the keyboard whether it's on their chromebooks on their laptops if they've, and then certainly working within the google docs world as i do personally and to keep, take all my work notes it's there in that Chrome browser all the time. And people, I mean, certainly at BET, that was the thing people weren't aware of. And looking at the Google format, they weren't aware that you could change the language. So I had people voice typing in Arabic, Greek, in Swedish, all of these different languages, and they were amazed at how accurate it was. And that, that's something that they've been, they've been using these tools for a long time, but they had never gone into that tool section and gone to voice typing. And they were just amazed. And that's all was there.
1: I think um, we also touch upon a a lot in terms of accessibility, the ability of cloud tools now and the fruition and those have come to the forefront where you used to see somebody having support uh, in a classroom and those kind of supportive mechanisms in primary and secondary and NFE are so important but actually what happens when they go to a library or go to a space that's outside of the classroom and also go home how can we continue to make sure that learning is accessible and I think text help and those kind of products are so powerful for those learners to make sure that they can continue from home.
3: Yeah I completely agree I think it's making it that students are aware of everything that they have and they're um school laptops but as well that this is available when they're at home too yeah
0: yeah. i think um i don't know if i'm oh i thought i wondered if i was muted then sometimes sometimes i do that and think oh am i supposed to speak uh i was speaking uh anyway yeah i think that that mentality around equity and about fairness and about rightness and um this has just exacerbated it, hasn't it? We talked with Lloyd, Jim Knight. That's a great word, by the way. Exacerbated. I don't think that gets used enough. I think we should use that. That should become like a theme word. Exacerbated. I,
1: I can't say that word, so I'm definitely not going to use it.
0: Yeah, mate. But you, there's there's lots of words you can't say. Not going to lie.
1: Wait, this is an accessibility episode. Come on. A what? You
0: would. Um, 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 um. <laughs> so no, um, so yeah, I think this idea around access. Um, has been kind of brought to the fore. And um, we talked with Lord Jim Knight and Bob Harrison on uh, previous episodes, and they've talked about acts. <laughs> look at me, I'm laughing. I'm taken Mickey out of him, and I can't. The idea around um, access to technology um, and the ability to um, for people at home and whatever the, whatever situation they're in to be able to, to be able to be involved with this and, and, and get that. And I, I wonder if you could, um, you talked about voice typing, I know you talked about some uh, some other stuff at bit. I I popped over and saw a couple of your demos. You didn't demo for me, just saying. Um, I didn't I didn't ask you. I asked Steve, and he said, uh, "Can we wait till Ellie's finished, and then she can do it?" Uh, <laughs> I, I'm joking. Um, what 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 other things would you point people towards to help help their students um, access things? Um, not necessarily people with with difficulties, but access other accessibility tools other than voice typing.
3: So one of the things I've been using recently is um, just going into page setup and changing the color of the page. So even if there's not that screen overlay, you can just quite simply change that page setup before you share that work with your class, whether it's on Teams or whether it's on Google Classroom, you could then have that all set up. So even if it's just for one learner, you know who has that need, no one's going to notice that their page is a slightly different color. If If that's consistent, consistently the way that you provide learning opportunities for your class online they'll just think that's what you do as a teacher it's also about making sure that everything certainly right now when everything's remote that all your instructions are consistent and they're clear it's not as simple as just go and complete the task it's here's your steps this is your usual format for your classroom so that they know what to expect from you as their teacher if they're secondary students, and they're moving between different classrooms online, they know that when they come to your classroom, this is consistent. I also think it's in that naming of it, I, I always talk about in Google Classroom where certainly you might have this with like year eight, how many year eight classes are those students going to have same with us in like S3, S4, that student is going to have to trail through their Google Classrooms for ages to try and find what was that announcement? Where is that work posted? Because I've got five classes with the same name. And it's also just utilising the tools that we've got available, the likes of Text Helps Read and Write toolbar. If that is something that your school has access to, then make sure that students are aware that they can install that at home. Or certainly if your school's providing devices to their learners, which many of our schools up here are doing, that they've got all this available.
2: Yeah, I really like what you were saying there about how it's it's making teachers think about the words they use Uh, and I'm coming across that a lot as somebody who's facilitating um online learning at the moment for for a whole secondary school uh, I'm having to deal with parents having to deal with students having to deal with the teachers and kind of making the 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 process flow so that parents know what students are doing students know what teachers have been asked have asked them to do and one of the one of probably the most common issues that that I'm coming across um is is that language that's being used and how and i think and i was talking to, to to someone about this the other day about how in a classroom when you when you're talking to someone face-to-face or if you're talking in front of a whole class you can say things and you can say it again and you can say it again and again and you can, and you, can and you can put a bit of emph- a different emphasis on the way you say it you can stick it up on on a screen you can have a on a on a bit of paper on a device there are so many different ways that you can get that message across if you've if you've simply just got the instruction part of a google classroom assignment for example um you need to be really careful with what you say and um and i really like the term for this that economy of words you need you need to you need to have a real economy of words when you you're explaining something to um to people not just not just not just children but adults as well and that you're saying it in the most precise way that that they're going to understand. Um, so, I re- what I really like, I think the point of what I'm trying to say is what I really like about all of this as well, is that it's not just that teachers are having to learn a new way of teaching and get to grips with the technology and get to, get to grips with all that, but it's actually it's 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 kind of reflecting back on to how the basic teacher skills that some of us may have forgot that some of us. Um, may have never learned um and, and and when i say that i'm speaking for myself as well that um actually w- words matter and it's not just on a on a post on google classroom or on on microsoft teams actually words matter when you're communicating to anyone in any way
1: yeah and 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 i think uh, um, i was looking at some research the other day and i'd be interested to see both nationally and, and across the whole of the uk and even beyond that uh during covid um the amount of people that can't engage in remote learning. We talk about the vulnerable learners and we talk about those in terms of don't have a device. What about the setup in terms of, and I'm not bashing teachers here, teachers are doing an absolutely outstanding job um, and been fr- and have remote and online delivery thrust upon them um, on, when they didn't expect it. But actually, is there a gap emerging where actually we're not necessarily because teachers don't know, they don't have the time. Um, in providing accessible resources for for all to learn during these times. And I think we've got a massive gap. I saw a statistic saying that something like 28% or even 38% of um, SCND and students with um, learning needs were the ones who actually were struggling during these times in terms of engaging in learning. Um, I don't think it's a surprise, but um, we need to think of ways that we can can do that um, just in the short term and beyond that.
0: Yeah, as well, I think... And I, I, I wasn't aware until today that this week is Deaf Awareness Week, um, and uh, apparently there's uh, this 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 uh, this blew me away. really that is apparently in the UK there's fifty thousand young people that are either deaf or hearing impaired. So we sometimes when we're talking about like the what was the word you used, Dan? The phrase you used about words
2: the economy of words
0: the, the economy of words sometimes the economy of words is is really impo- is actually vitally important if people are using things like subtitles or closed captions um i know i speak super fast um and then if i ever listen back to the podcast um and i put it on no, and i put it on 1.7 speed i sound like i'm uh, speaking like, like i don't even understand myself sometimes but then i have to think about how not just the um the number of words that i use but how I enunciate those words, another great word from so I've used exacerbate and enunciate today. Uh the this idea that I think about how I emphasize with my strong, broad Lancashire accent, will will it pick it up? Um and and I know that Google's some of the Google's tools around closed captions and uh and how that works have, have been have been really powerful and have been useful. Um I had a conversation yesterday with a a, a, a learning assistant, uh, an LSA, in our foundational uh, foundation students division, and they these are students with like quite extreme learning difficulties. Some of them, uh, we've got students that that are trying pre level one some of the courses that we're offering, and they said that they did a Google Meet with one of them, and they had closed captions. Now I said, well, how does that work? Because if they've got issues to do with hearing. Um, and they might have dyslexia as well. Will the reading have an issue? And they said, what, what was really nice is that they could um, they could type in the chat at the same time when they're having conversations. So they've got typing in the chat to be able to have a conversation if they're not confident speaking you know, or they can't hear very well, but also they've got closed captions if they feel like they can pick that up as well. So it's just, just, just feels like that it's been thought about. This isn't just something Oh, let's put some subtitles or put some captures on the back bottom of something. It's for a reason, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And I think accessibility by design is, is, is a term that I'm hearing from, from the big tech companies now. Um, I remember when I first started. Um, I don't know if you've used Google Slides or anything like that. The captions in there are, are not maybe as, as as good as what they are on a voice to to, to text on a document. But actually, um, there was a few years ago where you had to really try and force you spell the, the Queen's English for it to understand you. Whereas actually now, it probably could pick up. It might struggle because I struggle listening to myself, but it could pick up the majority of what I'm saying. We should be focusing on actually those people with 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 speech impairments and all of those elements and then building it up um, because I think if we can get that right and it can and, and the, the artificial intelligence can understand them then it works for everybody else and it has to be by design rather than a shoehorned approach um, I think is, is relevant uh, I haven't even looked but the Oak Bank resources the ones that are put out there I'm, I'm guessing they have closed captions and and, and elements in terms of their SA, to cover SAND and accessibility
0: the Oak Academy stuff you mean the
1: Oak Academy yeah sorry yeah. Um, do they? I, I, I've not looked myself, but does, has anybody seen? Are they
0: accessible? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't hope, know. I hope so. Now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think
2: so they use, we, we use StreamYard to record. I think they use StreamYard, which doesn't have that capability built into it. So I'm not sure if they, they're overlaying it with anything
1: because that's really interesting, isn't it? You know, that and I'm not bashing them. I'm sure it's fantastic that at least we've got something out there, but by design, you've then disadvantage in students straight off the bat straight off the bat um but yeah
2: yeah it's interesting what you're saying i was watching um have, has anyone have you ever watched those explained little documentaries on netflix no nobody no. <laughs> oh i think what? i know what you mean i've said, yeah. yeah
0: i have yeah yeah,
2: yeah. you Go on netflix it's just a series called explained and netflix make them and they just choose random subjects and do like a little 20 minute documentary on that is a really good one about coronavirus on that at the minute um but I I think I was watching one of them and it was and it was kind of I think you were alluding to this a bit before Steve about uh how they're working on the technology to be able to for voice voice recognition software to be able to interpret um what uh people who have difficulty speaking are saying so obviously there's a, there's a, there's a lot of um uh computer learning that has to take place with that and it's very it's very individualized but I think the fact that we're working on it at the moment means that in the not-so-distant future, those types of features will be integrated into these tools.
0: Just, just to answer, I've, uh, answer Steve as well, there's an accessibility statement on Oak National Academy's website that talks about um, they're making it so that um, it's able to be used, the website, by multiple people with changing colours, contrast levels, and then um, some of the sp- uh, speech recognition software and uh, screen readers as well. So just just so that people know that that is being taken into account in what in in their website,
1: yeah, yeah, and I, and I, and I think uh, even like Ailey said, accessibility by just saying okay, it's for those people that have uh, deaf and blind and other things. But actually, what about accessibility in terms of developing students of all um, with uh, writing and reading? And I know Google have just made an announcement of the terms of um, some of their read aloud stuff. Uh, and there's some great products out there. We've been on a call today with around ReIQ. Those, those those kind of things are massive at the minute, aren't they, in terms of equity for all, in terms of their development of that skill?
3: I mean, certainly, I mean, you're speaking about reading there. And one of the, I think, certainly when I think about my own classroom practice as a teacher and using Fluency Tutor from Text helps that right now is a no-brainer for me as a primary teacher for hearing the students reading, providing them that access to text, because I think a lot of teachers i'm not too sure i mean i'm not in the classroom now myself but you may be relying on text that children have got at home and you know that equity of access to text you know they may not not have a lovely library of books at home the libraries are all closed as well so they can't go and access it and having a fluency tutor as a way of you one hearing the students reading every week so that you can hear how their readings progressing and you can have that comprehension side of things and they've got those tools available within their online that they can actually go and access, they can break that text down, listen to it, use the text-to-speech, practice, listen to themselves, and, and you know, self-assess. I think that's such a big thing right now. Students are on their own, they you don't know, have their peers supporting them. It's that self-assessment for students is a big skill that they need to have prior to submitting work. And fluency tutor is a biggie for me. and um, that was one of my favorite tools when I was in the classroom with little primary three children, so seven-year-olds. Um, for uh, certainly helping them progress that bit further.
0: Yeah. a uh, good friend Kev Bradshaw, um who's okay. on the is uh, in the chat. <laughs> Hi Kev. Um he's it was he a, was he a Sweden boy with you as well? Sweden. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. May, maybe maybe just heard that you're on, so decided to to uh to, to feel yeah. sorry for you. Um because obviously the everybody realizes that the the best Innovator Academy was in Copenhagen in twenty eighteen. Um, but Kev Kev made a point here about you talked about Fluency Tutor and I know you, you talked a little bit about Read Write. Um and he says that it supports everyday development every student can use this and some of like the highlighting tools and some of the stuff that allows it to then go into a into a google doc to save that for afterwards and some of those so those it's not just an accessibility tool here it's an efficiency tool as well isn't it it's a it's a it's a time saving and workflow issue is read write something that you that you use
3: in one of the authorities I work in they're, they're currently on a trial of it at the moment but as a teacher I used it and then when I was working in Aberdeen they they use it extensively so it's something that I am a big fan of I, I think Steve saw me demo it quite a lot at BET um, it is one of my favorite tools I, I mean I use it a lot as well those highlight tools I think are the key ones certainly with, with the vocabulary list being able to just collect your collect your highlights for revision purposes I always encourage and hire students to, to use it for that purpose so that they can create all the revision color code and um, using that audio maker as well so that they can take the entire text create an mp3 and listen to it as if they read an audiobook. there's i mean there's some tools on that toolbar that i think some students don't use as much but the my favorite ones are probably the ones that are underused certainly the audio maker tool is a big big favorite uh-huh.
0: Just just before you jump in, Steve, I feel like I need to mention something. What we've mentioned multiple times is that at bet Steve watched early do demos demos. Did you do any? He
3: did a was,
1: lot of demos. I, I'm not even gonna defend myself. I don't feel feel I have to, but you know what? I think going back I'm gonna I'm gonna side dodge that one, Ben. Benjamin Whitaker. Uh, you're not a little man. Um I was um worked off my feet. Early was she, from
3: the best. Yeah, yeah
1: I, I was. Yeah, and you know what? I think I always go to that. You know, that kind of? Um, I'm going to completely look like a here because I can't remember it. But do you know the the Toy Story moment where the hand comes down and like, and, wow. the, and, and the and the alien? Ah! And literally, I think when you show the read write feature and at, the amount of people that had it had it installed and were underutilizing some of the powers that it actually had in terms of like you know, the dictionary stuff and that kind of and and also the um the voice comments uh, he did 5% cheers Kev. really appreciate that yeah good mate there he's uh, he's not coming on right okay but um that you know, the the voice comments and those kind of elements the, and people are saying why do i not know about that why why did i not know about that and i think it's it's that key f- feature that there's so many it's breaking it down to actually show the power and how then you can apply so many different things and some might use it some might not but that is massive isn't it the the the, the voice comments
3: voice comments so that students can listen to their feedback's huge I mean you can't expect one for a teacher to sit and type all these comments out I know that in Google we've got the comment bank and you can reuse comments over and over but voice comments gives that personalization to the students and really helps them actually understand what you mean by that feedback and as a teacher it saves you an awful lot of time if you can just quickly record a minute comment pop it into the documents where it's required or where it's relevant and then the students can listen to it back.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm going to kind of delve into the, the the Sweden 19 element. I know we've got Kevin, who's a, a Sweden 19. Yeah, let, we know we're going to go there. I see Rachel
3: but, comment as well earlier. Right. Uh, so got, uh, Jess
0: is in. Uh, Jess was in as well. Okay, oh.
1: so we've, we, we've got a few of, of Sweden 19. We we have to. I know we've done it before, but we have to. For those for those new listeners, we have to talk about the Innovator Academy. Uh, I know. Actually, the first time we met Ailey is where we all all met when you yeah. came to the summit last year.
3: Uh, with yeah.
1: And and that was absolutely fantastic to see you there. And I think we kind of uh, became really good friends. And please don't tell everybody that we're not, because that would be embarrassing. Um at yeah. Um at Sweden nineteen and, and walk us through that. Um because I know me and Ben talk about it, and Dan obviously wishes he had that story to tell. But yeah, yeah. Know- that, that's why I'm,
2: that's why I'm rushing to do it. So, yeah, <laughs> <pretty bad>. <laughs> well, <laughs> you all say it like like I've been rejected from it like multiple times.
1: Oh, we promise. I we haven't even
2: applied be- for it. <laughs> I seen what I have seen what it did to you too, and I thought I'm not having any of it. But, um Could we just just did you've muted your mic, Ben? See, that's what it did to him. He doesn't even know when his mic's muted.
0: Oh, right, you said so you are going to a Microsoft <laughs> one. He's what I was what I was trying <laughs> to say and it didn't even bloody work. So before we move on, <laughs> Elliot, I mean, you so. You let
2: we just say because I know we talk about uh, the Innovator Academies a lot, but um I know that we would Dave get lost. Right. So um <laughs> so <laughs> if I, I know we we've got a lot of new listeners uh since we started doing live streaming and a lot of people from other places in the world who started to listen to us. Could we just say what it is? Because I think we sometimes we talk about it like we know what we we that people know what it is. So could we start from maybe square one? Go for it.
3: Right, I'll go. <laughs> Thanks guys. <laughs> um, so it is a cohort of educators who have a shared, well, it's really a passion in education. It's not really about the Google tools. It's about having an, an issue that you come across in your day-to-day life as a teacher, as someone who works with an education and wanting to solve it. And you go in there with your challenge, have a plan You know, in your the back of your mind of how you think this will go and then you come out the other end with a completely different idea. And you're like, oh, back to square one, where am I going from this? I know I haven't done any of the work for my project yet. It's been seven months, um, <laughs> but it's 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 gonna happen. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of the best things ever. You meet people from around the world. I don't think Steve and I thought we'd meet quite the different people that we did meet when we were there. I mean, Steve and I knew each other, we were in the same group. So we're like, oh, this is great heaps of people from the uk at the sweden one as well so we knew an awful lot of faces i was there with my good buddy hazel from aberdeen and yeah amazing i i think it's the most exhausting but exciting thing you could do for professional development i don't know what ben and steve do you want to weigh in
0: (laughs) um well i went to the best innovator academy did you, <laughs> you, did you,
3: did you go you're in right again? Right now, Ben, there's two of us in this one. You're always gonna be wrong.
0: <laughs> no, but I think I think that's part of it. I know I keep we keep we bang on about this and uh, w- which is the best. Part of that is about the and, and, and even though it was cheesy, the idea of the innovator family that, that Dave Leonard just mentioned. I think for me it's that I know now my hangout I, I I did mine in um November 2018 um, and I still daily get updates and there's daily little things being put in the chat people sharing stuff people supporting each other um, and people offering help and, and and jumping on webinars and and all that kind of stuff and I think it's that ability to to build a little community of people that um often the roles that most of us are in that are on this call but also a lot of the people that we encounter are people that are having to solve problems um and i i remember when i started thinking about applying to the innovator um program that i had an idea of what i was going to do this is what i want to do and uh i spoke with uh, the legend the man the myth the legend as we call him mr caffrey, Andy caffrey and he said you'll never get in if you put a solution because nobody wants a solution you need to think about the users and a problem for those users. What What are you trying to? What problem are you trying to solve? And use that phrase, don't we? How might we? How might we um, give students a voice? Or how might we encourage personalised CPD? And I think then what happens is is that naturally by the kind of people that are in these innovators academies, it allows that that ongoing problem solving i regularly if i'm if i'm asking for a solution to something i've got two or three innovator groups not just my den 18 crew but a few innovator groups i'll go i'm not sure how to do this or has anybody seen anything that might work in this and then within minutes from all around the world there's different people chucking stuff in and and ideas i've done this thought about this so you you get somebody creating an extension um to, to make it happen it just feels like it's a that's that's the that's the win for me. It's the community.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think that's a really nice caveat uh, in terms of what your project was about earlier, but also a conversation around the strength of community. And I know it's not just about one tool, but I know that you're uh, the GG uh, Scotland uh, leader or, or one of the leaders. And um, right at the beginning of the lockdown, um, I, I joined a, um, a, a chat. And the amount of people that were actually on that was really powerful because it's strengthening numbers, it's learning from each other, it's all the stuff I talk about in terms of magpieing and not in, uh, inventing the wheel. And I know there's Microsoft ones and I, there'll be loads for different technology, that's fine, but I think it's... Just tell us about the, uh, the GIG Scotland and also the power of community and, and what's happening up in, in Scotland up there.
3: So GIG Scotland, I took over at BET 2019, so it was announced at BET 2019 that I was taking over and... I will say i didn't do much with it still i would say that i've got an awful lot of work to do um, with gag scotland and i'm building up we've got quite a team of trainers and the actual community of g suite users in scotland now who are kind of sharing that interest and sharing the role with me because it is quite a lot to take on board and um, with the current workload but yeah so i took it over and then changed jobs moved everything just was put on hold and um, but the gig scotland is it's right now it's twitter feed and we have gagscotland.com. it's a newer website that's in development and we've hosted odd webinars and kind of just catch-ups where we try and show what's come out recently in the google world give an example of how it could be used in practice do some questions and answers and then we um, very quickly uh, just have these small meets just to build that community it was something that was very difficult following the kind of Google plus changes when that became an education only uh, service and has, uh, you know, it's not really a thing anymore. And um, I see Louise is commenting away Louise Jones is massive, massive health in Gag Scotland. Um yeah, big push needed to bring people together in other ways as well. So it is, it's, um, we're just trying to figure out how we bring that community together. And we find that Google Meet is a very good way of doing that. Steve was on that call where we just had that first one, I think it was, and brought all these teachers from across Scotland together in one place. They figured out they had similar problems to each other and we're just trying to find a way and a platform. That is what my uh, Innovator project is, is about a platform where you can find all of the gigs easily and contribute and learn from them all without having to sift through the internet constantly to find what's going on elsewhere um but yes yeah, that's that's it it's it's still a work in progress we've got our twitter feed and our website on the go and building on it from there
1: but i, I think i think you're underselling it Early, i honestly do and i think louise mentioned it that it was it was born out of of, of, of g plus and g plus just going to education at the time that you kind of took it over around that time must have been a massive challenge because it's said how do we still communicate and and do that outside of education accounts but I joined the, the the GIG Scotland one at what feels like a lifetime ago, but I know it was probably about six weeks ago. And actually the community feel on that chat is something that I will remember. Um, and I don't know whether it was Scotland and I don't know whether it was a Google community, but I think that would have had a massive impact on those people who were just going, oh my God, what do I do now? There was people stepping up the plate, uh, who were demoing, were sharing. I know Louise jumped in and, and, and other people, but to have... 70 people 80 people all on a call at the same time just saying it's okay we are a community we'll help each other out and top tips little things not things like oh my god let me show you how good i am at this thing let me just show you one thing that will help you and you can implement right now with your students and your school and i think that was absolutely fantastic it, it was, was brilliant,
3: awesome, Louise. yeah you're right <laughs> it was it's i think that one i mean it does feel like forever ago it's, it feels like that was last year and it wasn't. It was what six or seven weeks ago. Um, but yeah, that is where we as a community are feeling like we need to go and just have these little chats, coffee catch-ups, evening catch-ups. And I mean, my daily work with my tea parties that I, I mentioned earlier, um, you know hosting these tea parties that's that same community the first one i hosted had over 100 130 teachers on it and that was the first webinar i've ever delivered and i thought well, what on earth am i doing? <laughs> I am not ready for 130 people to watch me fail um but yeah it's it's just about building that community of practitioners and knowing that although we're all isolated in our homes right now that we're not alone we are all in the same boat we're all Fighting the same battles and trying to learn the same things at the same time just try to share that so that we're not feeling that we're trying to do something that's brand new other people have done it before like Ben said for this innovator work learning from what others have done problem solvers rather than sitting and struggling on your own it's about reaching out and getting that support when you need it
0: yeah and a big a big shout out as well to I know you're doing the Scotland one but the Geg UK lead uh, Abid good friend of uh, of the podcast Abid Patel um he's doing a great job trying to bring the the Geg UK back into um, into the force so that we can uh, we can support that way so and
3: also the global Geg as well now, so that's that's kicked off this past week so
0: it's it's exciting it, it feels like the the Google educators are, are uh, saying okay um Google Plus might not exist in the form that it was doing, but we'll um we, we'll do it we'll do it this way, and I think I think it's great because we've innovated, haven't we? People have innovated. Um, one of my uh, just to, as we kind of come towards a close, I think we talked about what you've been doing in lockdown and you've been thinking around um, how you've been supporting teachers. I wondered if I could finish with a, a little bit of a question around what you've done in lockdown or what you've seen in lockdown that, you, that you'd like to continue and um, I, I, I like to think about this do you know like room 101 and whatever I don't know what it is where you get to keep some stuff then you've got to bin some stuff um, is there anything you'd like to put in room 101 and bin it off but also you want to keep because you think it's great
3: I can't think of anything I want to get rid of at the moment I think I'd like to see the same momentum continue when we are back to what normal is or whatever that may look like it's this enthusiasm that teachers are having for approaching things in this new way. It's, we've kind of got past that fear of what what on earth am I doing? We're now at that point where they're trying new things. So it was about that consolidation before, try one new thing consolidated before picking up a new tool. But now we're at this point where they are starting to think about how this may look in their classroom. I know conversations I've had today with teachers, they're looking at how they can continue to use Google Classroom or they can continue to use their forms or their sites that they're creating for their resources in the classroom moving forward so that their students have got it all in one place it's not about having all these textbooks and jotters and everything anymore it's how how can this be maintained keep this momentum I know our use usage stats for all of our online platforms here are going through the roof are they suddenly going to drop off that's I think my fear is that they will drop but no, and I, I know from a podcast you had previously, our students going to come and say, I could be doing this online, why am I in the classroom? I think that's uh, that was certainly something that I've relayed back to my like, managers this past week, saying that our students going to be asking, why am I in this classroom and I can do all of this online? I think that's really important as a, something we need to take forward. Remember, we're thinking about what, what normal is going to be in our teaching and learning in the future.
2: Ellie, it's been it's been great to chat with you and to and to explore those areas of accessibility, uh, and the, the the amazing platform that you guys have up there. And I just hope that we can we can have our own, maybe uh, maybe you never know. Out of the the end of this, uh, we might have our own version of Glow down in England. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been great. Normally we're we're the most northern people on the podcast, so uh, it's been great to have someone from <laughs> across the border on. Uh,
3: North, so you
2: can't get any further <laughs> north than me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, th- this podcast was done in partnership with Text Uh, check out Text Help at te- texthelp.com and all the amazing tools that we've mentioned on today's podcast. Uh, yeah, Ben's t shirt that he's pointing at. <laughs> that, yeah, so yeah, uh, have a good night, everyone. Uh, to, to we're recording this at the start of a bank holder weekend, so have a fantastic weekend, Ellie and Steve, Ben. Have you a good too. one.
0: Yep. Thank
1: Absolute. you. Pleasure. Thank Cheers, you. Ellie.